JC Corcoran Podcast. <laughs> but I just you see yourself living in St. Louis thirty years from now? Um, probably. Really? Yeah, yeah because of Sam's career in mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even at sixty-two, Karen Kelly in the Breakfast Club. It has a nice ring. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this on the Wolfman telephone? Hello. Is this about the apartment on Kings Highway? Is this about the what? Apartment. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's a two-bedroom. Uh huh. The shower works fine. Uh huh. And what other questions do you have? How much is it a month? $750. I mean, is that all it includes? Heat, electric, air conditioning, uh-huh. and uh, don't let the smell bother you. It, it, didn't, it hasn't bothered the last two or three people who have lived there. <laughs> We're not sure it was a skunk. Most people, when they guess, they say skunk. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it doesn't bother most people. Okay. Um, now, the guy above you, uh-huh. he was never convicted. Okay. And there's only one other problem. Uh-huh, my pet dog Sparky, I can't keep him anymore, and he has to stay in the apartment. In my, in my, in the apartment that I'm. Yes, in with? fact, I'll tell you what, I'll knock off a hundred dollars if you continue to watch Sparky for me. Uh, all you, right. You want to think about it or? Six fifty. Six fifty. You know what? Six hundred. If you watch Sparky, six hundred. All right. When can you move in? Uh, on the first of the month. All right. Now, you sure about Sparky? I'm fine. You sure about that? I don't know. Sparky, down boy. Sparky, take it easy. Sparky, Sparky, down boy. Uh, is he a mean dog? Sparky? Sparky, down boy. Sparky, down boy. If you don't make eye contact, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Okay. All right, let me put you on hold. We'll get right back to you, okay? Mm-hmm. There you go. The hell is going on? As long as you don't make eye contact. <laughs> no, I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before? It's like a That poor woman. Why do we do stuff? Uh, how you doing, kids? Welcome to the J.C. Corcoran Podcast for Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. I happen to be J.C. And how are you doing? Well, it was just the other day, just the other day that I was thinking to myself, wow, you know what? I almost didn't even notice, but this vertigo that I've had for the last, I don't know, four or five months appears to have gone away. And I didn't even realize it. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I haven't felt that spinning sensation for probably three or four weeks now. This is great. And then I woke up from a nap yesterday afternoon, spinning like a mother rugger. And it, 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 it's just, it's, it's enough to drive you mad. I'll get back to the health uh, issues here in just a couple of seconds. The uh, Trump story is being pushed aside here today because they just got George Santos last night. This is the guy. Where do you even start on this guy? Well, the government really finally stepped in. They did not release the details of the indictment yesterday, but they did this morning. He's in custody right now. 13 counts 
Uh, what do you got here? Wire fraud, money laundering, theft of public funds, all that good stuff. He is uh, he's in a peck of trouble. And for a while, it looked like he was going to be Trump or Matt Gates or any of these other guys who did, you know, horrendous things and somehow got away with it. I'm still puzzled by the Matt Gates thing, but maybe that's for another day. But George Santos, he could be going away. Department of Justice all over this one. E. Jean Carroll. All right, here's the deal. You know, between 1985 and 1999, I was in New York about 225 times. And I remember seeing E. Jean Carroll on TV, and she had like an advice column, and then they put her on a couple of small TV shows. She eventually ended up on one of the national cable channels. I don't even remember which one. And I remember just watching her going, what is wrong with this woman? There's something wrong with her. And I never really thought about her again. So when this whole Trump thing came up, it was like, oh, yeah, that weird woman. Well, that weird woman is going to be $5 million richer. That is, if he ends up paying the money. We all know that he didn't pay his lawyers, didn't pay his bills. So I don't know why anybody would think he would pay this either. But at least symbolically, she won $5 million yesterday. We'll see about that. The interesting thing that I found today was they had Eugene Carroll this morning on with Willie Geist, uh, along with her lawyer. And this was on MSNBC. And you might be surprised to hear some of this stuff. Now, I remember yesterday one of the reporters saying there was there was a moment during the trial where they had a sidebar. That's where both lawyers approach the bench and then you talk to the judge and you whisper it. It's not supposed to be overheard by the rest of the court. It's supposed to be a private conversation. But bits and pieces sometimes in courtrooms are overheard and there's even people who can lip read and stuff like that but at one point yesterday one of the reporters in the courtroom said he distinctly overheard trump's lawyer say something to the effect of come on guys give me a break do you realize what i'm dealing with here meaning he had an uncooperative client who was not paying attention to anything that he was telling trump to do or to say or to not say and he was actually he was actually pleading with the judge and also the prosecuting attorney to give him a break because he's got Trump sitting next to him over at his desk. So with that as the foreshadowing of this whole thing, here's E. Jean Carroll on this morning with her lawyer. I understand you had an exchange with Donald Trump's attorney, Joe Tacopina, after the jury delivered its verdict. Yeah. What did you say to each other? Joe is extremely likable. Um, uh, and so, of course, he is g congratulating Robbie, uh, Sean, uh, Mike, the whole team. And my turn came up. He put out his hand and I looked him in the eye. I said, he did it. And you know it. And then we shook hands and I went on by. Did he say anything back to you? He's he's extremely charming. He smiled and, you know, uh, we got through it. Robbie, we were uh, playing a, a bunch of the deposition you took for Donald Trump, which was so damning in so many ways. As you look now on the other side of this, having one for E. Jean, what was decisive, do you believe, in the eyes of the jury? I think that deposition video had a lot to do with the verdict. Mm. I think they saw in that video who Donald Trump is, what he believes and how he acts, and he said it in his own words. And I think that had a huge impact on the jury in this case. We're going to listen, John, real quickly to the piece of the deposition that gets at the Access Hollywood tape. Let's watch. 
And you say, and again, this has become very famous in this video, I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the You can do anything. That's what you said, correct? Well, historically, that's true with stars. It's true with stars that, that they can grab women by the Well, that's what it's. If you look over the last million years, I guess that's been largely true. Not always, but largely true. Unfortunately or fortunately. And you consider yourself uh, to be a star? I think you can say that, yeah. Fortunately or unfortunately, he's talking about sexual abuse there. Uh, also, there was a moment that was incredibly damning where Donald Trump, who has said that E. Jean Carroll was not his type, looked at a photograph of E. Jean Carroll and identified it as his ex-wife, Marla Maples. We have in front of you a black and white photograph that we've marked as DJT23. And I'm going to ask you, is this the photo that you were just referring to? I think so, yes. Okay. And do you recall when you first saw this photo? At some point during the process, I saw it. That's, uh, I guess, her husband, John Johnson, who was an anchor for ABC. Nice guy. I thought, I mean, I don't know him, but I thought he was pretty good at what he did. Um, I don't even know who the woman. Let's see. I don't know who. It's Marla. You're saying Marla's in this photo? That's Marla, yeah. That's that's my wife. Which woman are you pointing to? No. That's Here. Carol. Oh, is that? The oh, person okay. you just pointed to was oh, Eugene Carroll. Who is that? Who is this? Point, and the person, the woman on the right is your then wife, I don't Ivana? know. This was the picture. Ivana. I assume that's John Johnson. Is that that's Carol? Because it's very blurry. So, Robbie, in that moment, do you know you have him? Yeah, kind of. Uh, I, I one of the things I said to the jury yesterday was, remember, it's so classic Donald Trump. He, he makes the mistake in the photo. He realizes it's a mistake because the attorney tells him, and then he lies. What does he say? He says it's blurry. The same photo that you guys were just looking at was the photo he saw. There's nothing blurry about that photo. And Trump was on Truth Social this morning, still dying, having ever met E. Jean Carroll. And so it goes. All right, now back to the health issues. <laughs> you know, everything was fine until about 53, and then the wheels started coming off, and Everything started to hurt, which is interesting because there was a survey yesterday that I didn't get to, and it said that people start feeling old at 53. And it's not so much that I started feeling old, is that just physically, <laughs> everything just started to hurt. And then I had two heart episodes and high cholesterol and all thing and all that sort of stuff you get well in the department of you can't pick your parents both my mother and then my father later in life had type 2 diabetes and my mom was uh, severely overweight i guess you would say my dad was carrying around a little bit of a pot belly and um I'm in such better shape than they were, and like I said, I still play in ball twice a week, and I ride my bike, and I walk, and I do all the work around the house, cut the grass, do all that sort of stuff. People who meet me think I'm in my 50s, and that's all well and good, but inside, your body is like, ha, 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 you cracked me up. So I go to the doctor about, uh, I don't know, three, four months ago, and he goes, you got type 2 diabetes. You're just over the threshold, just barely with that whole A1C stuff, and uh, you're just barely over the top, but got to bring it down. 
And you know you're in trouble. You know you're in trouble when you're driving along and you catch yourself whistling the oh, 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 Ozempic commercial. And so they put me on Ozempic, giving myself shots every Thursday. Now, luckily, between Medicare and my insurance policy and all that sort of stuff, I'm only paying 40 bucks a month for this. There's people paying 400 and there's people paying 1400 depending on your health plan or whether or not you're old enough you know, to qualify for Medicare and Medicaid and stuff like that. But I, I lucked out in some way. It's only 40 bucks a month, which is something I can handle. So I've been on it for just short of three weeks. I've already lost eight pounds. And I'm thinking, fuck my A1C. I'm down eight pounds. And this gets back to the whole thing we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. You've already heard the stories about all these Hollywood stars that are on Ozempic in their you know 30s and 40s and 50s, even though they don't really need it, but they went to their doctors and they said, look, I'm a celebrity, I'm rich, and you're giving me the fucking Ozempic, okay? And hand it over. And they start getting the shots and they start losing the weight. In some cases, people are reporting losing 25% of their body mass. 25%. And it should be noted here, for example, that, you know, like Viagra, Viagra was a heart medicine which they realized, hey, wait a minute, there's this unusual side effect with regard to this. And pretty soon, nobody was using it for the heart, but they were using it for their heart on. See what I did there? So anyhow, they stuck me on this uh, stuff. And like I said, it's not even been three weeks and I'm down eight pounds. And I have no appetite. My daughter wanted P.F. Chang's last night. So I went, picked up carry-on, brought the P.F. Chang's back. She got uh, something, I don't even recall, something with noodles. I got my usual, which is Mugu Gai Pan. Now, that's not on the menu. If you go to P.F. Chang's, you're looking around going, I don't see Mugu Gai Pan here. That's one of those things that uh, it's like on their secret menu. And apparently, all rest or a lot of restaurants have this sort of secret menu. And I don't know why they do this. I've never had it explained to me adequately. But all I know is that it exists. So when you go in, they don't even, you know, bat an eye or anything. They're like, oh, the Mugu Gai Pan. They sort of look at you like, oh, you know about the secret menu. I'm like, yeah, I do. So I brought it home, never touched it, never touched dinner. I have no appetite and I'm on the low dose. They start you on a low dose to get your body used to it because some people do have, you know, reactions to it. And uh, then after a month, they kick it up to the full dose. And then I guess, I mean, I can't even imagine if I'm already experiencing this feeling of having no appetite. What happens when I go to the full dose? I don't even know what's going to happen. Now, I don't spend a lot of time looking at all these side effects things. Maybe I should, but I don't. But one of those side effects is vivid, sometimes peculiar dreams. Well, that's all I have is vivid, peculiar dreams. But they're basically saying, oh, if you thought you had weird dreams before, just wait. I didn't pay any attention to that. I'm not even really sure I noticed it at all. All I know is I woke up the other morning and I'm like most people, I don't really remember my dreams very well. There's just something about dreams. They just go away so fast. You remember you had a weird dream. You might remember one or two things, but you don't remember any of the details. And I'm the same way. But in this particular case, it was so weird, so weird. I woke up and I was sweating. My whole shirt was wet. And I was like, I'm writing all this down. And then just for fun, I actually put it on Facebook. I want to read you what I wrote. This was a Saturday morning. The dream had me picked up for a New Year's Eve party, except 
that it was a few neighborhoods over from where I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and it all seemed to be happening in the 1970s. In fact, the guys who picked me up were my old hangout friends from that era, and the car reflected that. I remember there was a guy by the name of Bob Burns, and he had the car, so we used to just drive around and be cool, and all of this was in the 1970s. I haven't seen these guys in 50 years. A couple of them are dead. Anyhow, back to the dream. When we got to the party, I realized it was being held at Dave Green's house. Dave, one of my broadcast sales and management guys from St. Louis, good guy. And I haven't talked to Dave or seen Dave in quite a while. Anyhow, it was mostly loud, drunk, obnoxious men at the party. So I went upstairs where I ran into Erica Talon, a gorgeous news anchor who was on Channel 2 for a couple of years, but had moved away years ago. She was wearing a thin metal brace around her neck that held a tooth in place, a tooth that was protruding from her mouth about an inch with another tooth growing out of the bottom of it. The next thing I knew, it was 8.10 the following morning, and I ran into my old friend, longtime radio personality, Drew Johnson, and we started to commiserate about how we didn't have much fun at the party because we don't drink anymore. All the clocks in the house had different times, so although it looked like morning, I couldn't actually tell. I went to turn on a TV, but it only had three channels, and mostly it was static. I decided it was time to get out of there, so I walked out, intending to call Uber from the nearest busy intersection I could find. As I walked alone in the dim light, I noticed my heels were producing an incredibly loud noise, so much so that some of the lights in the homes started to click on as residents came out to see what the commotion was. I got to an intersection, but I noticed my friend Kathy Kelly had left her car there. For reasons I can't explain, I decided to take her car. After driving a while, I could tell that nothing looked familiar, so I pulled over, got out, and realized I was somewhere on the Jersey Shore where a team of frogmen were dragging the shallow water along the beach. That's when I woke up with a wet shirt. I really have to start being more careful about what I eat before bed. Okay, that's what I put up on Facebook on Sunday morning when I woke up from this dream. Well, now... After people read this, they start sending me stories about how lots of people who are on Ozempic are reporting the most bizarre dreams they've had in their lives. One guy talking about Oprah in a golf cart. And for some reason, even the Ozempic people are copying to the idea that when you have these bizarre dreams, a lot of times it involves celebrities. I don't know what's going on, man. This is getting very very strange now eight pounds gone that's great but the 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 question starts to become (laughs) you know at what cost so i'm gonna hang in there with this stuff and uh you know i got i have to i gotta bring this down get rid of this type 2 diabetes never in my wildest dreams thought that i would be a candidate for that i'm not a big fat guy or anything and i know that's not the determining factor the only determining factor but you know And at this point, no matter what I say, I'm going to get myself in trouble, so I should just stop. But I'll have more details as they become available. Look at these shots of George Santos this morning. He just thought he was going to grin his way through this entire thing. Mm, mm, mm. A lot of St. Louis Cardinal fans were ready to throw dirt all over Paul DeYoung. And he sort of has been showing everybody that that was premature. The Cardinals have won two out of three because they're playing the Cubs at Wrigley Field, of course, and that's what they do. And you may have seen this already today. It's all over the internet, but there is 
renewed rumblings. There are renewed rumblings about a trade, this time involving the Detroit Tigers and their left-handed pitcher, Eduardo Rodriguez, who's off to a pretty good start, and apparently the Cardinals are very interested in him. And again, you hear all of the names. You hear DeYoung, you hear Edmund, you hear and the people insisting, you're out of your mind, they'll never trade Tommy Edmund. Are you crazy? I'm just telling you what's out there. I'm telling you what's being said. And it's not by internet goofballs who are just interested in clickbait or just publishing things that are totally irresponsible. They're from reliable, usually reliable sources in some cases. And, you know, everybody wants Gorman and everybody wants everybody. And let's just see what happens. But but the name is Eduardo Rodriguez. And let's just see. It was on the state in 1993 that Stephen D.C. did their now infamous racial diatribe, screaming the N-word out over the airwaves of Q104. We all know how that ended. 1984 in the state, I began my apartment search in St. Louis, getting ready to move to the Gateway City. Settled on the Timberlake apartment complex at Big Men and 270, where I had a mouse living in my fireplace. Casey Kitefly on this date in 1986. This was really funny. You know, we did it at Forest Park, and I still remember this. We were all set up, and we had all of our banners. We had everything. And uh, because Forest Park is an open place, anybody can show up, KWK thinks they're going to come out and pimp us. And so they set up their table full of KWK big boxes of kites. I mean, you do something like that, you're just asking for trouble. And people started running over to our van telling me what was going on. And again, this was back in my days where I would do stuff like this. I saw it. There was a couple of interns standing there by this table. And they had all their kites out there. And then they had big boxes of them behind them. And I just took a run at them. (laughs) They saw me coming. And they got out of the way. And I just did a barrel roll into their table. And then one by one, I just cracked every single one of those kites over my knee, broke them all in half and uh, destroyed everything else I could get my hands on. And then I walked back to our van and continued and uh, people were, were applauding. I got a great shot of that, by the way, which I will put on my Facebook page, the showgram with JC Corcoran a little bit later on today. <laughs> it looked like I look like I'm possessed or something as I break all those kites. Uh, what else we got? Oh, this was great. 1985, some guy writes to the Riverfront Times and they publish his story. They publish his letter to the editor and he's complaining about the Casey Morning Zoo and about me and he doesn't like me and he hates me and he goes on and on and on. And his name was John H. Pavlik. I still remember this like it was yesterday. And so instead of attacking the guy, what we decided to do was... We decided to make him famous. And so we held John H. Pavlik Day. And John, if you're out there right now, drop me a line because it would be great after almost 40 years to go back and re-examine this because it was sort of funny. We made it John H. Pavlik Day. And um, in not attacking him, we attacked him severely. I still remember. John, I just got a call. I just got a call from Grandpa Bidgeon and they're having a sale on douchebags today. <laughs> oh, God. 1985. And it was on this date, 1975, that they offered me this opportunity at Northern Illinois University. They said, um, for $150, we'll rent you a cap and gown 
and then you will sit on the athletic field with about 4,000 other students who will be awarded a uh, liberal arts degree, and then they will say, everybody getting a liberal arts degree, stand up, and then you'll stand up amongst the 4,000 people, and then you'll turn in that cap and gown, and you and you will give you your diploma. And I said, fuck you. I'm not giving you 150 bucks for a cap and gown. Stand in front of 4,000 people. Not not in front of 4,000 people. Amongst 4,000 people. What, my mom and dad are going to get off on that? I don't think so. Plus, it would probably be hotter than hell sitting there outside in the football stadium. So instead... I got four tickets to the Eagles' Dan Fogelberg concert at Airy Crown Theater in Chicago, and my roommate, Jeff Graham, and I, he worked for Monsanto, and we took our dates, we drove to Chicago, we saw the show, and then we drove back. And that's how I spent my graduation day from college on this date in 1975. Oh, one other baseball note. If you didn't already see this, it's all over the internet and sports center or anything like that. There's a uh, outfielder for the Detroit Tigers named Akil Badu. He was thrown out trying to steal second on Monday night. And when you see the replay, especially in slow motion, the catcher throws the ball. Akil tries to slide. He begins his slide, and the ball hits him right in the nuts. And then bounced off his nuts landing into the glove of the second baseman who then tagged him out, adding insult to injury. There is gall, and then there is gall. I don't know if you've heard the term tipping fatigue yet. The Wall Street Journal just did a big write-up on how we're even being asked to leave tips at self-checkouts now. Somebody bought a $6 bottle of water at a self-checkout kiosk at the Newark airport, and it asked them if they wanted to leave a 10 or a 20% tip. A baseball fan grabbed a beer from a self-service fridge at Petco Park in San Diego. It asked him to leave a tip. He said he was he refused it because he didn't know who the money was going to go to, but he still left a 20 or 20% tip. Both organizations said the money does go to the employees, but you have no interaction with anybody. What? And AMC theaters are going to start offering their own generic candy because wholesale candy costs keep going up. You can see the generic candy popping up as soon as this fall, but they'll still offer the real stuff too. 79-year-old Robert De Niro just welcomed his seventh child. He shares two with his first wife, ages 51 and 46, a set of 27-year-old twins with a former girlfriend, two with his second wife, ages 25 and 11. Tucker Carlson is moving his show to Twitter. When Queen Camilla entered Westminster Abbey during the coronation, the choir sang, Viva Regina Camilla, which means long live Queen Camilla. But a TikTok user pointed out that it sounds like they were saying wide-backed vagina. All right, tonight on ABC Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. Normally, this would not catch my attention, but Vanna White is going to be a contestant for the first time ever on Wheel of Fortune. I might try that. Morgan Wallen, that country star, on vocal rest for the next six weeks. He's canceled all of his shows. Translated, he's in rehab. Birthdays today, Keenan Thompson, Saturday Night Live, 45. Young MC, Bust and Move at 56. Linda Evangelista, supermodel, 58. Bono is 63. Chris Berman, 68. Dave Mason, 77. Donovan is 77. Last Friday, a cop in Kansas pulled over a driver for suspected drunk driving. The guy was wearing a full-body Bud Light can costume. He spent the night in jail where I bet you he was a big hit. And this story is amazing. So there's this woman in Utah, and she wrote a children's book about coping with grief 
following the death of her husband last year. And she was on all of the 24-hour news stations, all the TV stations, all over the country talking about this book. And people were like, this is such a great idea because your husband died and you wrote this children's book to comfort the kids who, you know, don't have a father anymore. And this is just a wonderful thing. She was a, a very, very good looking woman, by the way. She's just been charged with murdering him. She apparently poisoned him with fentanyl and then had the, there's that word again, gall, to go out there and promote the book about her dead husband. She killed him. And a restaurant in New York is offering a $29 hot dog. It comes with five condiments, a side of chili, and an appointment to have your head examined. And with that, the J.C. Corcoran podcast for Wednesday, May 10th, 2023, is in the can. We're here every weekday morning at 11. Please spread the word if you can. We'll have some news on the new radio station literally any day now, working out some kinks on some things. We're literally only a couple of days away right now, so we'll get to that and fill you in as soon as we have details. But you can begin listening to the St. Louis Signal now at 101.5. It's there. It's just all stripped down and nothing but music and only a couple of commercials. And Katie Cruz is there in the afternoon, and I'll be there for the morning show as soon as we can work out some of the uh, technical difficulties here. But we're really, really close, and I really think you're going to like this new Rockin' Americana station. Wow. All right, that's it. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. A good one. See you later, bye. I don't even know who the woman. Let's see. I don't know who. It's Marla. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.